Welcome back to the Longleaf Podcast. Today is Thursday, April the 25th. We are now past the bill filing deadline of the General Assembly, getting ever closer to that crossover deadline. Looking forward to that so then we can focus in on the legislation that has an actual chance of passing this session. But for now, what I want to talk about today is House Bill 2. So Leah Byers over at NC Civitas had a really interesting thread on Twitter the other day talking about whether House Bill 2 would remain a campaign issue in 2020. Obviously, it was a big issue in 2016. In case you need to get caught up on House Bill 2, so how this came about was the city of Charlotte passed an ordinance, a local ordinance. They called it a non-discrimination ordinance. Basically, what they said is that among other things, that people could use the bathroom of their gender expression in all public accommodations. So not just public buildings, but all private businesses that are open to the public as well. And so what, what, why they did this was um, to help transgender people who do not feel confident using the bathroom of their biological sex uh, to instead be allowed to use the bathroom of their gender identity. So the reaction from Raleigh was pretty quick. Senator Dan Bishop, who represents Mecklenburg County in the Charlotte area, um, helped author a bill titled House Bill 2 that basically said that no municipalities can write non-discrimination ordinances also mandated that no cities could introduce minimum wages, but also specified that in public buildings, now this is buildings owned by the government, that people would be required to use the bathroom of their gender, their sex, on the birth certificate. Now, in normal times, I mean, this is kind of how the law had been before. It, it wasn't really specified. This made it specific. And the backlash was pretty quick. So sporting events left the state of North Carolina. The North, North Carolina, was uh, Charlotte, was supposed to host the NBA All-Star Game the next year. That got moved to New Orleans. Concerts were canceled. Um, PayPal, that was supposed to open a big expansion here in Charlotte, decided that they weren't going to open here. Just the, the PR nightmare was real. Um, it was... Uh, the economic backlash was severe. I mean, here in Charlotte, the chamber said that the number of people inquiring about opening or expanding a business in North in Charlotte um, plummeted after that. And it was one of those issues that kind of aggravated your suburban, independent, unaffiliated, moderate types. And that was one of the reasons why Pat McCrory underperformed in Mecklenburg County, underperformed in Wake County in 2016 compared to his 2012 results. And he ultimately lost the election by only 10,000 votes. So any little thing could make a big difference. And House Bill 2 was one of those things. Now, Roy Cooper, the current governor, he had campaigned on repealing House Bill 2. So that was one of the first things that he turned his attention to in 2017, January 2017, when he took office. And he takes credit for helping to negotiate a compromise with the Republican supermajorities in the General Assembly to remove House Bill 2 from the books. But what this repeal bill did was, while it did repeal that bill, it also stated that municipalities could not pass non-discrimination ordinances, could not pass 
ordinances that dealt with what bathrooms different people could use until December 2020. Now, I, I have to think that that date wasn't set in a vacuum, that the bill's authors knew what they were saying. But what Leah said on Twitter, what she brought up was was two things. One is House Bill 2. Is the media, Democrats, etc., going to be able to keep House Bill 2 as an issue through the 2020 elections? And then two, whether that December 2020 sunset date makes it more difficult for Republicans or uh, kind of adds fuel to the fire on making that a campaign issue. Now, we're going to get into all that here in the second half of the program. Senate will come to order. Sergeant Arnold will close the doors. Members and will go to their seats. So my answer is yes, I do believe House Bill 2 will be an issue in the 2020 elections, but not necessarily in the ways you might expect. Uh, I think different levels, different races are going to handle it differently. And I think Republicans uh, and conservatives in general might actually benefit more from this than you might expect. And certainly more than, uh, more, much more benefit for Republicans and conservatives and House Bill 2 type supporters in 2020 uh, than certainly they, they were certainly hurt in 2016. All right, so here's why. So number one, I think the first area where you're going to see House Bill 2 come into play in 2020 politics is in presidential campaigns. So any Democratic path to the White House, and really any Republican path too, but let's focus on Democrats here for a second, is is going to have to need to win North Carolina. Um, Barack Obama did it in 2012. Now, uh, in, 20, in 2008, forgive me, in 2012, he narrowly lost to Mitt Romney, but um, Barack Obama was an unusual candidate, I think, for a Democrat in 2020. There is a way for them to win without winning North Carolina, but that certainly makes the path a lot easier. So I think, and especially with North Carolina's primaries being moved up to March, early March, you're going to have a lot of presidential candidates coming through North Carolina. And every presidential candidate has their stump speech, of course, um, but they always try to change it up for the state that they're in, uh, as, as you might expect. And I believe that House Bill 2 is going to make an appearance in the stump speeches of Democratic presidential candidates. So the LGBT community is a very big part of the Democratic primary base. And I think when presidential candidates are in North Carolina, they're going to use House Bill 2 as a way to shore up their cred with liberal people in the urban areas that they're certainly going to be campaigning in. I don't think it will be a huge part of their speeches, but I think you're going to hear it. I think you're going to hear about gerrymandering as we did when Beto O'Rourke was here in North Carolina. He mentioned that. I think we'll probably hear about teacher pay, even though I don't think it has a whole lot to do with presidential politics. I think we're still going to hear about that. So I think it'll be part of the, the standard sun speech of every presidential candidate that comes through North Carolina. All right. Number two. Yes, I do think House Bill 2 will make an appearance in the governor's race in 2020. And for the purposes of this discussion, I'm going to assume that it's Roy Cooper running for re-election, which we know he is, versus Dan Forrest, the, who's the presumptive Republican candidate because nobody else yet has declared that they're interested in running for governor. And Dan Forrest has been really laying the groundwork for a gubernatorial campaign. 
Now, Dan Forrest is a strident House Bill 2 supporter. He has vigorously defended it. He did in, in when it was up for debate. He hasn't said a whole lot about it before, but I don't have any reason to believe that he's he's changed his mind on House Bill 2. Um, but I don't think that House Bill 2 is going to be a slam dunk of a win for Roy Cooper, as you might expect. I think uh, Governor Cooper can take credit for getting House Bill 2 off the books, um, and I think he will try to take credit for that. But I don't think that helps him as much, because especially the more liberal faction of his party was really unhappy with the House Bill 2 repeal, wanted Governor Cooper to negotiate something stronger to actually make an affirmative uh, case for protections for LGBT people instead of just getting this law off the books. And Governor Cooper, I mean, he's, he's really not been a super liberal hero that a lot of Democrats had wanted him to be. Now, some of that is he's been hemmed in by Republican supermajorities so far. Now, he's started to be able to wield some more of his power in the liberal direction now that the supermajorities are broken. He vetoed the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, uh, which I feel like was a very liberal position to take. But Roy Cooper doesn't really have a ton to stand on in terms of advocacy for the LGBT community. I think he'll mention it in passing, uh, but it's not going to be something that he's going to get a ton of votes on. Now, for Dan Forrest, I also don't think he'll try to win a ton of votes on House Bill 2 and LGBT-related issues. I think if he's smart, he's going to take a pretty neutral approach here. What he's going to say is basically... You know, now that House Bill 2 is gone, the economy has come roaring back. Um, I, I think he's he's going to say that we don't necessarily need another bill like this. If he's asked about it, I think he's going to uh, kind of refer to the fact that most people in North Carolina don't view transgender bathroom bills as a high priority. I think he's going to try to brush aside most of the questions that he gets on it. If he's pressed, um, I think he'll probably affirm his moral convictions and, and stuff he said from a, a moral case on this, but I don't think he's going to try to make it into a big campaign issue. So I think it's going to be relatively quiet in the governor's race. Where I think you're going to see it the most is in local district level races at the General Assembly, and I think that's going to be both for Republicans and Democrats. So this is where I think that December 2020 sunset clause is going to come into play. I think you're going to have some people in safe Democratic areas, especially in primaries, in the 2020 General Assembly races, saying that we need a Democratic majority so that we can actually pass protections to protect LGBT people in 2020. And I think Republicans are going to say, look, this bill, this law is sunsetting in 2020. This is going to open the door for liberal areas to pass all sorts of changes to local ordinances and push for for new state laws that will, you know, allow men in women's bathrooms and women in men's bathrooms. Now, I, I'm not trying to take a stance on the efficacy of these bills uh, and, and take a stance on this at this point. I'm just trying to evaluate the political strategy here before I get any angry emails. Um, but I think Republicans are going to say, you need me in the General Assembly to fight against the liberal influences in Charlotte and in Raleigh and in Asheville. Um, and I think it may it may help them. I think in that case, it may help Republicans more than it would help Democrats. 
So I think it's a lot easier to score points when you're trying to scare folks or try to warn against something and position yourself as the hero, as opposed to another vote needed to break a majority to, to get something done. But that said, I think it's, it, it's very much going to be a case where only people in pretty safe districts are going to try to touch this topic. I think anywhere that opinions are split, where you really need to get a whole lot of independent, unaffiliated voters to your side to win, I think you're probably going to see people back away from that. And I think that's going to be the case in the governor's election. Now, I could be wrong. Uh, Dan Forrest, uh, Lieutenant Governor Forrest, when he's running for governor, could make um, the decision that he's going to press hard on an issue like this. I could see that happening. I don't think it's the smartest political move that he could make. But of course, we'll see and we'll report on it here at Longleaf Politics. Again, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would, please leave a rating, leave a review if you're reading this or listening to this in iTunes, in Apple Podcasts. Uh, And please send me an email. Let me know what you think, what you want me to cover, what you want me to write about, what you want me to talk about on the podcast. My email is andrew at longleafpolitics.com. And we'll see you again soon. So many in favor of that motion will say aye. Those opposed, no. The eyes have it. The Senate stands adjourned.